What is up, Northridge Church? It is so good to be with you this morning. Welcome home to each and one of each and every one of our campuses. We're grateful to have you here this morning. And today is a special day in the life of our church. Um, it's a day where we no longer claim faith, but we get to display it through sacrifice. We call it Commitment Sunday. And if you haven't been with us, we've been we've been talking about that word faith, and not just like this general idea of faith, but what faith truly looks like in this series called Mountain Mover. And in this series, we've been looking at the moments where Jesus really challenged people closest to him, who claimed to follow him, and he challenged their lack of faith in him. We've seen it in Matthew 6, Matthew 8, Matthew 14, and if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17 today. Matthew chapter 17, I'd encourage you to turn there, and I hope you showed up excited for this morning and what God's going to do, because in this series, Mountain Mover, it's really tethered to our vision as a church, that we want to, as a church, saturate the greater Rochester area with the life-changing message of the gospel. And so this series is built around launching another missional outpost in the Brighton community, a campus, uh, for us to take the gospel to another location in Rochester. And it's going to require us to sacrifice today. And so I'm excited for what God's going to do this morning. He's already been at work at our 8.30 service. And so probably by now you know this about me, that I'm not the tallest guy on the block. I stand around 5'7". When I wear my boots or my heels, I get up anywhere from 5'9", if I'm lucky. And you know, being shorter has its perks. It also has its detriments. Whenever I get on a plane, I never hurt for leg room. It's pretty amazing. But as an athlete who played two sports in college, uh, there were often times on the basketball court where I was guarding someone way taller than me. And so as an athlete playing basketball in college, I always dreamed of being able to dunk something other than donuts. <laughs> and so my freshman year, I trained and trained. I worked my legs out. I wore really weird shoes to help my jumping ability so I could explode off the gym floor. And believe it or not, in my freshman year of college, I could regularly dunk a volleyball. But here was the greatest frustration, is I would tell people that very thing, you might even doubt it right now, but I would tell my friends, and here's what they would say, there is no way, Drew. There is no way, you are too short, and it ain't gonna happen. And so it was kind of those moments where you, you just get so frustrated, you're like, all right, whatever. It, it's the rubber meets the road. Like, I'm gonna stop telling people I can do it, and I'm gonna start showing them. And so I asked a bunch of my friends to come to the gym. We horsed around, we played around, it was a, a fun day. I got loose and I was like, all right guys, I've been telling you this, here we go, let me show it to you. And so I, I grabbed that volleyball and, and I just ran towards the, the hoop and I just went and went and I exploded off of that gym floor. I could hear the music from Space Jam, I believe I can fly. Right? And I just took that volleyball, I brought it back and boom! It hit the front rim so hard and flew backwards. <laughs> and before I could actually hit the ground, I looked over and I saw all of my friends on the ground laughing at me. And guess what they said? I, I, I told you so. 
It was the, one of the worst moments, most embarrassing moments of my life. Because I knew I had done it consistently and then I went for it. I went to prove myself and I failed miserably. No one wants to be in that moment. And honestly, the fear of that happening to us is what often keeps us from living by faith. Because many of us, we have these dreams of of doing something amazing for God. We wanna go for it, but the fear that we would go for it, that we would live by faith and somehow fall flat on our faces, where we would fail, we'd mess it up what God was trying to do. And can I tell you, the people closest to Jesus, his disciples, his best friends, not only were afraid of that reality, they lived it. Let me show you Matthew chapter 17. The story starts like this. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Now, the context of this story is is pretty normal, like an average day for Jesus and his disciples, because Jesus could do the unordinary, the impossible. He could heal people like nobody else could. And so wherever Jesus would travel from city to city, town to town, village to village, people would live in anticipation to Jesus arriving in their village, and they would bring the sick to them. And so this dad does that very thing. His son is suffering, suffering from seizures, he's running into fires and almost drowning in water, and the reason why he's living this way is because he's possessed by a demon. This demon is tormenting his father's little boy, and so he just comes to Jesus like any good father or mother would. Jesus, will you just heal my boy? He's suffering greatly. Jesus, I need your help. But what's fascinating about this story is what he says next. He says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now can you imagine how the disciples felt in that moment? They had tried to cast the demon out. They went for it and they failed. And now their failure has become public to Jesus. They're probably thinking, you didn't have to tell Jesus that. Can you imagine how worthless they feel? Can you imagine if they're wondering in their head, does Jesus even still want us? Are we just getting in his way? Like we, we, we tried, we, 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 we asked that demon to leave, we, we cast it out and nothing happened. And then they watch Jesus heal the boy. They watch Jesus cast the demon out, be successful. And so they wonder in their head, what's wrong with us? In fact, we know this because look what it says. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus, what's wrong with us? Why are we failures, Jesus? And you probably know his answer because we've read it the last three weeks, this is week four. He looks at his disciples and it says he replied, because you have so little faith. And then every time I read those words, they just cut deeper and deeper. 
because I'm forced with this reality. If, if the disciples had little faith, what does that mean about mine and yours? And when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you will see is Jesus, Jesus often looks at somebody and says actually the opposite, that your great faith has healed you. And it's almost as if the disciples' lack of faith was the stumbling block from this boy's healing. But what's so amazing is what Jesus says to them next. Right, he just told them that, that they had little faith and, and from our perspective, it could feel like Jesus is scolding his disciples, he's condemning them, but I don't think that's the tone Jesus is taking at all. In fact, as I read these next words to you, don't hear them from your 2023 culture. Hear them from the, word, the, the, the ears of the disciples who had just failed, who just went for it and failed miserably. Look what Jesus says to him. He says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, it's easy in this moment to think that Jesus is condemning his disciples. He wasn't. He was calling them to something greater. He was inspiring their faith to grow, and he did that by saying, when you have faith this small, you can move mountains. But here's the problem. The problem is when we read this passage from our 2023 perspective, the first two things that pop into our head are logic and reason. And our logic and our reason tell us this, come on Jesus, I can't move mountains. Our logic and our reason say, Jesus, hold on a second, there are a lot of things that are impossible for me here on earth. And can I tell you, church, that is why so many of us, let's be honest, all of us struggle to live by faith. Because true faith defies logic and reason. True faith, you can't reconcile. True faith, you can't see the way until God provides the way. That's why faith doesn't sit in our heads. It has to land in our hearts. And the truth is, is if you study the Bible, many of the stories of faith that inspire you go beyond logic or reason. Let me explain a couple to you. Think about Abram early in the Old Testament. God comes to Abram and he says, hey, I want you to leave everything you know and I want you to go to a land I'm gonna show you, but I'm not gonna show it to you now. Well, then where am I supposed to go, God? Just go in faith. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, God. Okay, think about Moses. Hey Moses, I'm calling you to be the spokesperson for the nation of Israel, even though you have a speech impediment. And at one point, I'm gonna deliver the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, and you're gonna stretch your rod over the sea, and it's gonna separate. Make sense of that for me. Think about Mary, a teenager who the Holy Spirit, an angel comes to and says, hey, Mary, you're gonna carry the Messiah into the world. You're gonna, you're gonna birth the Son of God. Although you're a virgin, you will conceive from the Holy Spirit. Like, make sense of that for me. Think about Gideon. 
Gideon was going to war against an army of over 100,000 troops. He had a lot less than that. And guess what God's strategy was to win that battle? He shrunk his army even greater. God, that's not how war works. Think about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Joshua is leading his army into an impenetrable city, fortified walls, and God's like, don't worry, Joshua, I have a great strategy. All we're gonna do is we're gonna circle the city seven times, and you know what's gonna take down those walls? Your voice and your trumpets. Where's our logic now? See, the reason why faith is so incredibly hard for me and you is because it forces us to bank solely and completely and utterly on God. And we like to rely on ourselves, our wisdom, our capability, but when we live by faith, it's a declaration to God, you have to come through. I need you to provide God. And so as we are here today to live by faith, to sacrifice, to saturate the greater Rochester with the gospel, I just want to ask you a question. Do you believe? Like, I'm not talking about do you know the story. I'm not talking about is it in your head. I'm talking about do you believe in your heart that through your faith in God, nothing is impossible for you? Because if we're just going to have some real talk, we're going to be authentic. Can I tell you what feels impossible to me, that the greater Rochester area would actually turn to God. It feels impossible. You know what feels like a far-fetched dream that for somehow the people of this city in this area would turn from the darkness and would actually run to the light? Do you know what feels impossible that for some reason God would use our church to saturate the greater Rochester area with the life-changing message of the gospel? It feels impossible. But church, if we're not gonna have the faith that God can do the impossible, who will? Who will have a faith that's willing to take a risk where it won't make sense, where we're willing to act and sacrifice and actually believe mountains still move? But I ask you, have you taken the time to just look at the mountains that people want God to move? To believe that God could move some of these mountains? Do you realize that for some people on this mountain is just that their mom, their dad, their children would come to know Jesus? You realize that, that on this mountain are, are so many things that, that are haunting our society, that are ruining people's lives, and people are just begging and having faith big enough to say, you know what, God can move that mountain. But do we as a church believe that he actually can? And are we willing to take the risk to see him do it? Because at the end of the day, if you want to boil faith down, you want to concentrate it, faith is simply belief. It's a belief in your heart in who God is. It's a belief in your heart of what he accomplished for you on the cross and his resurrection. And it's a belief in your heart of what God is capable of doing through you. And I know because I've watched the March Madness, I know what belief can do in people. Belief gives you two things. It gives you confidence and it gives you assurance. When you truly believe something, you're confident about it and you're assured of the outcome. 
right? This is how the Bible defines faith. Look, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So today, as we sacrifice, do you have the confidence knowing that God will come through for you? Today, as you sacrifice, do you have the assurance that God will make a way even when you can't see that way? Because in this story, do you know what frustrated Jesus? Unbelief. Look at his words. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation." How many times has Jesus been frustrated with me because I don't believe he can do something that he's actually capable of? Do you know what has plummeted in Christianity and in the church today? Faith. Faith that's big enough to move a mountain. But the great news is for our church today is we have a moment we have an opportunity right before us to exercise, to display, to show our belief, our trust in God through sacrifice. We have a moment right before us to exercise our faith and believe in God, and guess what? You will have every excuse to say no. The enemy will whisper in your ear. He will rise up your worry, your anxiety, your fear. He will give you every excuse to tell you not to do it. He'll say, you know what? Maybe this is not your turn. He'll tell you, COVID, we just got through it. Like we're barely on our feet. He'll tell you inflation is real and it's crushing people. He'll tell you you don't make enough, have enough. He'll tell you the church is too divided. He'll give you every reason not to live by faith. But can I tell you, today is the day, church, where we overcome our fear, where we overcome our worry, where we get over our excuses, and you know how we do it? We trounce those things, we drown those things out with our faith in God. Where today, we declare that we believe in you, God. We trust in you. Even when we can't see it, reconcile it, it doesn't make sense. Today, I'll stand on your promise and your faithfulness and your reputation. You've came through before. You can come through today in faith. And so let me just read you the words of Jesus one last time. Look what he says to his disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, put your name there. Truly, I tell you, Drew, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can look at this mountain and say, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, absolutely nothing, will be impossible for you. So church, today we have an opportunity where the rubber kind of meets the road. 
where we can no longer claim we have faith, where we actually get to display it to God. And we do that through sacrifice. And so you were given a commitment card when you came in. And I'm gonna give instructions of what this is gonna look like in the life of our church over our campuses. So the first thing you gotta do is you gotta take out this commitment card and grab a pen and fill it out wherever God leads you. We've been asking God to stretch our faith, but what are we gonna do with these? And this is just a two-year pledge saying, hey, I'm in for this. But what does this look like? How are we gonna bring these to the Lord? Well, I'm gonna explain that to you. If you're watching online, if you're part of our online campus, you engage regularly, I just want you to know how valuable you are to our church, how much we care for you, how much we love shepherding you. And it would be easy for those of you online to say, you know, I, this just isn't for me. But I would challenge you, I think it is. If God has used this church, this ministry to impact your life, to stretch your view of God, to grow you closer to him, to introduce you to the gospel, I think it's worth sacrificing for. So if you would like to make a commitment online, all you gotta do is go to iwant.info. And at iwant.info, there's a banner that says, make my two-year commitment, mountain mover commitment. You click that banner, you can fill out your commitment card. I'd encourage you to pray over it, and then you can submit it. If you're watching at our physical locations, at Webster and Rochester, here's what we're going to do. We have designed this moment for you to remember it, for you to come back to it, to remember the things that you wanted God to move, the faithfulness of God. And so what we're gonna do at both of our locations is you'll notice uh, at the stage to the left and to the right, there are stairs that you can walk up. These are the stairs that we're gonna use to make our commitments. You'll fill out your commitment card, you'll bring it up with you, and on the corner of each stair, there's a, a bin of mustard seeds. Every individual needs to grab a mustard seed as you come up, and here's what you're going to do. You're gonna take your mustard seed, you're gonna walk through this hallway or that hallway, and you're gonna to come to these bins, there's two of them on the mountain, and you're gonna take your faith, and you're gonna to declare to God that you're bringing it to him, and you're gonna put it in here, saying, God, I, I still believe you move mountains. And what you'll notice is really cool is you'll see the faith of the service before you. You'll take your commitment card, you'll walk straight ahead, and you will put your commitment right here in the basket. You'll also see the commitments of the service before you, the faith of people who have gone before you. And so our bands are gonna come and they're gonna sing a worship set, and as they sing and as we worship, at any moment when you're ready, you just come up those stairs and you bring your commitment to the Lord. So I'm actually gonna ask my wife, Ashley, to come up on stage with me. And as she makes her way up to the stage, I want you to know, as a family, what an honor and a privilege it is for us to serve and to sacrifice with you. Even last night, we were talking with our kids of what this is going to look like for our family. The things that we're gonna have to say no to so we can say no to greater things, or so we can say yes to greater things. And so we want you to know that we are in with you. So I'd love to pray for this moment for our church, that God would bless it. And when our band sings, you can come. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you.
God, this isn't a moment of we have to. This is a moment of we get to. What a privilege it is to get it to be a part of the story you're writing. And so, God, I pray that you would move through our faith today, God, that you would move those mountains on the wall. God, I pray for family members that they would come to know you. I pray for our city that it would turn from the darkness and it would walk into the light. God, I pray that you would move mountains through our faith and through our sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.